Chapter Seven of Dyke Darrell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dyke Darrell, the Railroad Detective, or The Crime of the Midnight Express by Frank Pinkerton. Chapter Seven. What a handkerchief revealed. Dyke Darrell was so dazed from the blow he had received as to be unable to ward off the dirk that was thrust at his bosom by the vile assassin, and had not a third party appeared on the scene at this critical moment, the story we are now writing would never have been told. A kind providence had on more than one occasion favored the daring railroad detective. Before the point of the knife touched the breast of Dyke Darrell, a swift flying object sent the deadly weapon out into the middle of the street. The next instant a man bounded from the shadow of a building upon the would-be assassin. There was a short struggle when the last comer found that instead of the detective's assailant he held a coat in his hands. The villain had made good his escape. "'Confound you!' greeted the newcomer. "'Who was it? I saw him following you, sir, and made up my mind that some villainy was in the wind. I do not know who the villain was. Are you hurt?' "'Not in the least.' Then the two men walked on until a lamp-post was gained. Here the features of each were plainly revealed. A low exclamation fell from the lips of Dyke Darrell. "'Good thunder, Harry Bernard! How are you? Where in the world did you spring from?' The detective grasped and wrung the man's hand warmly, a rather slender young fellow, with brown hair and eyes, a moustache being the only sign of beard on his face. "'One question at a time, Dyke,' returned the young man with a laugh. "'I mistrusted it was you all the time.' It strikes me that you are becoming careless in your old age. Hope you're not in love. That makes a fool of a man sometimes. Does it? No, I'm not in any such predicament. Fact is, I am wedded to my profession and shall never marry. But, Harry, you haven't answered my questions yet. You asked me how I get on. I can answer that by saying I was never better in my life. I have been along the plains, among cowboys and Indians, and it's given me strong muscles and good health. I arrived in St. Louis this morning. It was the merest chance that placed me in a position to do you a service, Dyke. As I said before, it seems to me that you are getting careless. Just imagine what the result would have been had I not put in an appearance. I have the fellow's coat to show for the adventure. True enough, I admit that I was careless, returned the detective, and my adventure will serve to put me on my guard hereafter. Come with me to my room, Harry, and we will talk over matters in general." I must take the midnight express north, and may not see you again soon, unless you conclude to go with me. I shall remain in St. Louis for the present, returned young Bernard. He went with his friend to the hotel, however, and soon the two were in the privacy of Dyke Darrell's room. Now then, let us look at that coat. Harry Bernard laid the garment down on the bed, and Darrell began a close examination of the same. It was an ordinary sack coat, with two inside pockets. The detective was not long in going through the pockets. Ah! The ejaculation was significant. It fell from the lips of Dyke Darrell, the detective. Now what? questioned Bernard. Look at that. Dyke Darrell held aloft a handkerchief that had once been white, but which was now dingy with dirt. But this was not the only discoloration. There was a stain on the square bit of linen that was significant. What is it? Blood, answered Dyke Darrell. Then the detective made a close examination, and made still another discovery, a name in one corner of the rumpled handkerchief. The keen eyes of the detective gleamed with a satisfied light. "'What have you discovered, Dyke?' "'A clue.' "'To what?' "'To the most infamous crime of the century. 
The handkerchief has the name of its owner stamped plainly in the corner. Well, Arnold Nicholson. What? That is the name on this bit of linen, which shows that it was once the property of the murdered express messenger. Of course you have heard of the crime on the central? Yes, it gave me a shock, too. Arnold was a good fellow. Harry Bernard's face wore a serious look as he took the blood-stained handkerchief from the hand of the detective, and examined it with mournful interest. "'It must be that you were assaulted by one of the train robbers, Dyke,' said the youth, as he returned the relic of that midnight crime. "'I imagine so. The scoundrels have discovered that I am on the trail, and they mean to put me out on the first base, if possible. Did you see the man's face who assaulted me, Harry?' "'Imperfectly. I know, however, that he had red hair.' "'Ah!' You suspected as much? Yes, in the dead man's fingers was a bit of red hair. It seems conclusive that the villain who assaulted me to-night was the one who engaged in the death struggle with poor Nicholson. The trail is becoming plain, and before the national holiday rolls around I hope to have the perpetrator of this crime behind prison bars. I hope you are not over-sanguine, Dyke. I have ever been successful. How about the Osborne case? Ah, yes, but that isn't off yet. I expect the murderers of the old captain will come to light about the time the railway criminals are brought to justice. Indeed? There are several hands engaged in these bloody crimes, and when I do make a haul it will be a wholesale one. I should think you would need help in a work of this kind. I do. Can I be of any service? You may command me, Dyke. Thanks. You are of inestimable service to-night, and I believe you can do more. It would please me to have you remain in this city and keep an eye out, while I go up the road to the spot where the crime was committed. You know the place? Certainly. It was near Black Hollow, a wild spot, where the woods along the creek afforded chance for hiding. Some of the rascals are yet in that vicinity, I believe. The one who assaulted me to-night may not remain in the city long. You will do as I wish? Certainly. Glad to do it, Dyke. That settles one point, then. If I need any more help, I know where I can find it. Where? Elliston. He is something of a detective, you know. Harry Bernard frowned at the mention of that name. The pleasant look vanished from his face, and he relapsed into silence. Holding up the handkerchief, Dyke Darrell said, This was used by the assassin to wipe his bloody hands after the murder. He was a fool to keep the tell-tale linen by him, but these fellows are always leaving some loophole open. I have made one discovery that may have escaped your notice, Harry. What is it? Look! Laying the bloody handkerchief over the young man's knee, Dyke Darrell pointed to a spot near the center, where the imprint of fingers was plainly visible. You see that? Certainly, the marks of human fingers, but I can't see that you will be able to make anything out of that. So many hands are alike, you know. Then Harry laid his own against the spot stained with blood. My hand fits exactly. The eyes of Dyke Darrell began to dilate. His usually immobile features began to twitch and a deadly pallor overspread all. What was it that had caught the eye of Dyke Darrell to cause such a terrible emotion? He had, indeed, made a discovery. A close examination of the finger-mark showed a white circle, centered with a ragged dot of blood near the knuckle. This had undoubtedly been caused by a wart on the hand of the assassin. It was this fact that had attracted and interested Dyke Darrell, and what he intended showing his friend Harry Bernard. The moment Harry laid his hand against the print on the handkerchief, the detective made a startling discovery. Not only did the hand of Harry Bernard fit the bloody stain exactly, but a large wart near the knuckle of the little finger fell exactly against the spot that dotted the center of the white circle. 
A feeling of unutterable horror filled the mind of Dyke Darrell at that moment. Harry Bernard had been his friend for years, and he had always found him upright and true. But what meant this horrible revelation of the handkerchief? Could it be possible that another had the same-sized hand and a wart near the knuckle of the little finger? It was not likely. Dyke Darrell came to his feet, with cold perspiration oozing out upon his brow. Before him sat Harry Bernard, smiling gently, and yet he had the devil in his heart, the devil of assassination. End of chapter 7